0: This is Dr. Kara Shepherd, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. to go talk with the goat doc this episode for me is take two of trying to record a basic overview of hoof anatomy and hoof basics for goats I get I, I had to like say a bunch of stuff and figure out what I was gonna say and now I'm gonna try to try again to do it in a more coherent way we'll see how it goes um, headed to a call this morning and then to get my hair cut and then to another call And uh, I've got like a half hour right now, so I'm going to try to keep it in there in that time frame. Um, If you have any questions about your goat's hooves or anything else about your goats, please feel free to get in touch. The internet is the best way to do that. You can find me online at GoatDoc.com you can find me on instagram at goat underscore doc you can email me at goat doc cara at gmail.com um and i recently updated my website so that has consolidated my uh all of my online presence for my ambulatory practice as well as the podcast and your, has now become your online source for all things goat A couple things need to be updated there that I have realized since the uh, website has gone live, and that is that I need to migrate all the previous show notes for the podcast over there and to the new website, and then I also need to, like, start doing show notes again. Uh, you guys have been very patient without the show notes, and uh, that is appreciated But, like, this episode in particular, I'm going to talk a lot about anatomy, and visual aids, at least for me, are very helpful for anatomy, so I will try to get back on the show notes bandwagon. Um... Else can I say here? Uh, if you have a second and you're enjoying the podcast, and it looks like when I log on to my podcast hosting, people are finding the podcast and numbers are going up. And hi to all new listeners of the podcast. I hope you're enjoying it. And if you are, if you can take a second and touch the thing on your phone on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player app of choice to subscribe and rate and review. That tells the computer artificial intelligence algorithm that people are listening to the podcast and care enough about it to say something about it. And then it shows the podcast to more people so more people can learn stuff about goats because we're all crazy goat people around here. Um, if you are really enjoying the podcast and you're way into goats you can head on over either via my website or you can go to patreon.com slash goat doc if you would like to join the small and growing number of people who think that the putting information out there about goats and sharing this knowledge is a useful thing for you and want to help me get more info out there and make more content, uh, you can head on over to the Patreon website. You can either go to GoatDoc.com and then click uh, Connect under the drop-down menu, and there's a little icon picture thingy on there, or you can go to Patreon.com slash GoatDoc, and you can check out what all uh, that is about. Uh, Patreon is a content creators supporting platform which uh provides me with a with a little bit of support for doing things like building a new website and also devin and i are talking about um new new patron rewards because he we're on kind of a regular run of doing tales from the farm and he wants to do a uh a, uh, a live streaming goat kid camera, so I'm working on that, so if you're supporting on Patreon, that's gonna happen, maybe I'll do, like, a goal on there, um, there's some patron thank you, uh, benefits, and, uh, like, getting information from me, and I'm gonna start doing a live stream, uh, like, goat people hang out online, I'm gonna figure that out this weekend, well, by the time this posts, it might have happened. But <laughs> patron exclusive content, uh, patron exclusive materials. So you can head on over to that to check it out if you like. And it's awesome if you do. And it's it's fine if you if you're not into it. Just share with your friends, rate and review on your podcast app. That's also most appreciated. Um, speaking of Patreon, I have some new patrons that I need to shout out and say thank you to uh, H Miller pearl jammer denise wilhelm and robin anderson you guys are all awesome thank you so much for supporting the podcast um your your continued support and just like interacting on the patreon platform is something i'm starting to do too so come and say hi and if you have questions about stuff as far as being a patron goes (laughs) feel free to send me messages through there and, um, I'm learning how Patreon works too. So I appreciate your patience with that. And, um, don't ever hesitate to say hi over there or ask me questions. All right. All right. Sweet. I kept that under like six minutes, which is really good. Um, last thing there's going to be a giveaway very very soon coming up on fun numbers on the social media and the podcast so um 50,000 podcast downloads almost a thousand followers on instagram and the apple podcasts when i looked on there this morning the podcast just hit 100 rates and reviews so that's awesome and uh When we hit all those numbers, I'm going to do a giveaway and be on Instagram. I'll tell you about it on here too, but that's coming. Anyway, now we're going to talk about goat hooves. And we're going to disclaim first that this podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or veterinary care provided by your primary vet. And I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid VCPR veterinary and client patient relationship with your local vet. So, hooves are really important for our hooved species. It sounds really silly to say that, but for any animal, like, especially a prey-type animal, like a goat or a cow or a horse, uh, you know, our herbivore, livestock species, they're the, it's the foundation of the animal, and they need that hoof to be functional so they can get away from predators, basically. Um... The I'm going to talk kind of a lot about anatomy to get started here. Because the the other thing that's I, th- I think is kind of fun about talking... About, I mean, I like anatomy. Sorry. You guys know I like physiology. I get kind of geeky about it now that I don't have to take tests on it. And anatomy... I liked anatomy even when I had to take tests on it. I didn't tell my classmates at the time. But when we had, like, practical anatomy exams, so that was, like... Our anatomy professors would go and tag certain structures, muscles, nerves, uh, bones, landmarks, whatever, on our cadaver animals that we were dissecting in anatomy lab, and they would like put numbers on it, and then we had to go around the room and mark all of those. Uh, or, like d- identify what those marked structures were. and that was our practical anatomy exam. I always thought that part was kind of fun. and everybody hated it or at least they said they hated it, but like it's kind of, you know, I like I like to think about stuff, so I had a good time with it. Um, and it's probably even more fondly remembered now this like, my God, it's like seven or eight years since I had an anatomy exam. So it's a lot, a lot nicer looking back on it from that distance. But anyway, um, the anatomy of our limbs is like just completely different. Like the, there is certain things are conserved from species to species. So like when we're talking about the the limbs um, the, basically there are lots of similarities between uh, our ruminant domestic species and our ourselves and our dogs and cats and you know all of our mammalian species that have four limbs two forelimbs two hind limbs but they're the way that those things develop is very different. So, some basic anatomy terms first, because I'll probably slip into like anatomy terms pretty quickly. Uh, when if I say distal, that means further away from the body. If I say proximal, that means closer to the body. If I say medial, that means towards the inside of the body, like toward if. The, the side of something facing the body basically and lateral is the outside uh, facing out away from the body um, what else? there's some other different anatomy terms that I will probably say too and I'll try to explain and catch myself as we go The so I think to kind of start we'll start distal so we'll start farthest away from the animal's body and kind of go up the limbs Um, and thinking about your own hands basically and how that compares to your goats hooves. Uh, we have fingernails, obviously. So, the fingernails are made of, like, keratin, which is also what horns are made of. It's what hair is made of. It's what nails, hooves are made of. Um, it's like a horny material. It's just, I don't know, some kind of protein, whatever. Um, it's hard. It's protective. Uh, and in humans and in goats and horses, like, that nail... Covers uh, the most distal, so the farthest away phalanx, which is the bone in the finger. If you look at your finger, your finger has three phalanges, uh, three finger bones. You got your, like, if I'm looking at my pointer finger and I bend it from where the finger separates from the palm of my hand, there are three bones there P1, P2, P3 p1 is the closest one to the palm p2 is the middle one p3 is the most distal one and that's the same in our goat friends um p3 just like on your finger like if you look at your fingernail your fingernail covers most of your p3 and like Yeah, so the fingernail protects part of P3. Fingernails in humans are kind of weird. I don't know that they really, like, do that much. But in goats, they're very, very important because that fingernail part, the hoof wall, is much thicker and it's bearing weight. Um, It grows continuously like our human fingernails do. And uh, it... It's just, it's kind of a different animal in terms of that weight bearing aspect. The protective aspect is the same, but the weight bearing aspect is different. Um, P2, P3, so middle and closest digit bones are um, the pastern. So the fat, like the fetlock and the pastern. The That also is like what we would call if I had to describe in an anatomy way be like the p2 p3 joint the um p1 p2 joint or then if you get up to you and your palm if you look at an x-ray of a human hand your palm is actually made of like these long bones next to each other or if like you look at an x-ray of your dog's foot or something like that um the, the, your palm is all of these thin bones that are covered by soft tissue and ligaments and blah, blah, blah To hold it together and make it into that solid palm But it's actually four separate bones and those are called metacarpals This is similar in the hind limbs So for humans, feet, same thing, digits P1, P2, P3 or if you're going from distal to proximal, farthest away to closest, P3, P2, P1. And then um, in the back, they're called metatarsals. So those are the bones that go across from the ball of your foot to your heel. Um, and this is really different. So this is where it starts to get really different in in a goat. Um, if you're looking at those digits, so like the fingers, your goat has two digits, that are that reach all the way to the ground. Um, those, and we refer to those as claws. So there's the medial claw and the lateral claw. The claw medial is the inside one. The claw lateral is the outside one. At that pastern too. So at the metacarpal or metatarsal phalangeal joint. So I started talking about metacarpals because I wanted to describe that joint. So the M C P. MCT joint. So metacarpal or sorry, MCP, metacarpal phalangeal, um, or M for some reason, I feel like we always say MCP, but not M MTP, um, metacarpal phalangeal metatarsal phalangeal joint. So that's just the joint between the metacarpals and the phalanges. Um, the the palm and the digits or in your goat this is where things as far as anatomy start to get really different because the metacarpal the metacarpal bones in goats or in general goats belong to the order artiodactyla which is like how we classify animals in terms of taxonomy and phylogeny um like evolutionarily, who are they closer, rele- closer related to, more closely related to? Um, Artiodactyla includes a whole bunch of animals that are like our cloven-hooved uh, domestic species. So, our ruminants: our goats, our cows, our sheep, our camelids—camels, llamas, alpacas, um, deer, giraffes. Uh, and also, fun animal, well, pigs are another domestic species. Uh, <laughs> Chevrotains, like the water chevrotain, it makes me think of that hilarious uh, YouTube video. Antelopes, hippopotamuses, uh, and actually, whales are also in this order. And then they're obviously broken out differently as we get further down that evolutionary tree. But Um, so these are our even-toed ungulates. They have, we have even-toed two toes as opposed to like horses, equids, and that branch of this tree, which has two or sometimes three, uh, and some of those funny wild horse critters that I am not familiar with. So I'm not going to go down that road because I will say something wrong. Um, so when you get to the Metacarp metacarpal bone or the metatarsal bone this is what we kind of commonly call the cannon bone or uh in the forelimb sometimes could be referred to as the shin uh, but that's really that over evolutionary history the goat's metacarpals so the four bones in your palm have fused to be one large bone digits 2 and 5 are your your vestigial digits which have become dew claws they're not weight bearing they're not the big ones digits 3 and 4 go down to your claws and those are the weight bearing digits metacarpals 3 and 4 fuse over time so that shin bone effectively the cannon bone is a metacarpal bone and so that's the same bone that goes across your palm and it is the the primary weight-bearing bone there. The then you get to the knee, which if you're going up your hand, if you're following me here, so you know that in your goat we're at the cannon bone, which seems like it's a shin, basically, because if you're looking at the goat, the next thing up looks like a knee, and the knee in the goat is actually the carpus, which is the wrist. I don't need to talk too much about the, like, uh, the bones of the carpus, because there's multiple, like, small cuboid bones in the carpus, which, like I said, is the wrist in your, in your anatomy, that's, the carpus is the wrist. In um, your goat, we usually call it the knee in the forelimb because it looks like a knee. But it's not functionally a knee. Because in the forelimb, in your forelimb, you do not have a knee. The, um, there's lots of small cuboid bones in there. There's, like, one, two, three, one, there's like eight small cuboid bones in the carpus. I had to learn them all for an anatomy exam one time, but I don't remember them now. Uh, and then if you're talking about the hind limb, so you have your metatarsal. So if you're thinking about your feet, I talked about how the metatarsals are the long bones that go from the ball of your foot to your heel. And then your heel is your tarsus. So your goat's tarsus is your goat's hawk. So same thing in the hind limb where the metacarpals fused and you have a cannon bone in the hind limb, you have your weight bearing, digits three and four which are your go down to your claws you have your non-weight bearing digits two and five which are your dew claws and then you have your metatarsal which is fused metatarsal three and four to bear the weight it's kind of like a shin in the hind limb and then you have your hawk which is like the heel i'll find some fun pictures and post them on instagram and or make some show notes um compare this because there's some really interesting and helpful to me visual aids where like all the bones are color coded like the digits are blue and the metacarpals are red and then the carpus is yellow and then it just compares across species which I find to be very interesting and can help explain some of this stuff maybe better than I can with just words um, so the hawk of your goat is actually the bone is actually like your heel. We're not going to get closer to the body than that because we're supposed to be talking about hooves here. But I think it's useful to understand the, this anatomy at least to a certain degree because problems in the hooves create problems, particularly in those, the the limbs from the tarsus distally and from the carpus distally. I see problems probably more commonly in forelimbs in goats because they're bearing more of their weight in their forelimbs um, from breakdown of collateral ligaments from arthritis, um, which can be avoided with good hoof trimming and with good hoof health and good hoof maintenance. Um, If we go back to the hoof itself, uh, the, the hoof, like I mentioned, has the hoof wall is the horny material that grows continuously and um, is made of keratin. So it's like a protein that's developed and it protects, covers P3, protects the the bone, protects the soft tissues. And then if you look at the kind of the, the big parts of the hoof, the hoof, so that's the hoof wall is the horny hard part that you trim with your hoof trimmers. Um, and the sole of the hoof is the flat part that also like also bears weight, but in goats and actually in, I mean, cows to camelids horses the the sole of the hoof is a little bit softer um, and it's like the sole of your foot that's the part that touches the ground Um, the heel so this is another complicating thing I just told you that the the heel like as far as bone structure the heel is the tarsus there's only two of them but in goats we talk about how the hoof has a heel which is the caudal aspect, um, of the sole of the hoof. So the backside and that like has two heel bulbs and on one on each claw. So the heels and then it has dew claws. And the other kind of notable part of the hoof to call out is the coronary band. So that's kind of like the cuticle. That's where, um, the, That's where the hoof wall kind of generates and germinates and grows and, um, yeah. And where the soft tissue starts, it's kind of a transition area. Uh, I've got a few minutes, so I will talk a little bit about normal hoof maintenance. Um, and like talked a little, a lot about anatomy here. Um, and like I said, the, the, the hooves are the foundation and normal hoof maintenance, regular hoof maintenance for your goats can cut off problems from occurring. The, um, so basically probably most goat owning people have hoof trimmers and, they, uh, You trim your goat's hooves like you trim your fingernails. The hoof wall grows continuously because it's kind of like how gro- goat's teeth grow continuously. And they uh, are doing that because they're continually being worn down. Those animals developed evolutionarily to... to be moving and some goat species are like constantly bouncing around on rocks still like like wild goats or some some of them are like constantly bouncing around on rocks and climbing on things and they're constantly wearing their hooves down so to keep up with that the hoof wall grows continuously the um are well at least my fluffy little spoiled pasture babies, uh, do not bounce around on rocks continually all the time. So our domestic goats need varying degrees of constant trimming. And I say varying degrees because I personally feel like there's no hard and fast rule for how often a goat's hooves need to be trimmed. Some goats seem to need it as frequently as every two weeks. Some goats seem like they can go like four months, four to six months without being trimmed, and that's fine. Like, it's what works for that individual animal, and it's what, like, what works for you. So if you have a group of animals and it's easier for you to remember everybody's going to get their hooves trimmed on the first of the month, then do it. Great. I love it. If it's easier for you and then if you're gonna have your slow hoof growers that maybe don't need a big extensive hoof trim, a big aggressive hoof trim the first of every month, maybe they you look at them and you're like, oh I'm just gonna like do a little filing here because there's not a lot of hoof growth or uh and then you've got something you're like oh well this guy really needs a lot of work. And that's fine. Everybody they're all gonna be different, just like everybody's fingernails are different. Um, or if you have a system where you, like, have some, a spreadsheet and it sends you reminders or whatever your system is to keep on top of your animal's hoof health, that's great. Love it. Um... uh kind of the tools of the trade for me are just some basic hoof trimming shears. Um it's nice to have a rasp too. I had a rasp for a while and now it's all rusty and dull and doesn't work very well, but those can be very nice for um flattening the sole of the hoof. Um having a hoof pick with a brush is also nice. Devin likes to use a hoof pick first to get any crud out of there and uh, and use the brush to brush all the dust out um the other thing I discovered recently, Devin's, like, obsessed with having these, like, work gloves that he buys in, like, a package of, like, 20 or 30 gloves. They're, like, cheap knit cotton and they're, like, dipped in latex or something like that, so they're kind of waterproof. Um, they're not made to last forever and they definitely get gross, but I discovered recently that I really like them for hoof trimming because lots of the... Um, gloves I've used for hoof trimming in the past are too thick like I don't have the dexterity that I feel like is helpful to me but also like hoof trimming can be kind of gross like it smells bad like there's poop in there this the interdigital space so the space between the digits the space between the claws is gross like it's dark it's warm lots of times it's moist like in the spring if they're out on like muddy ground like it's a prime bacteria haven it's like you're sweaty in between your toes of a really icky gross person um So like that smell, that hoof smell, that wet hoof smell can very easily just like permeate your skin and it's kind of gross. So those, those gloves are my new, one of my new favorite things for, um, trimming hooves. What else? Um, so yeah, trim the hoof wall. The hoof wall grows like a nail. It's like a thin area and people are generally very comfortable and confident trimming that the um, people tend to be less comfortable and confident trimming the heels, which is where I not uncommonly find an issue. So what happens with the trimming is that people are scared to trim the heels because they, the heels don't have that nicely like delineated hoof wall, like the, the cranial part, the forward part of the hoof wall does. Um, it's very like the middle of the hoof, the sole of the hoof is softer. Um, it still is like keratin. It's still, it's almost like like a callus Um, it's not really that horny hard material but it's not innervated tissue so it's not tissue that can like has nerves in it and the animals can feel uh, directly and it's not it's not vascular so it doesn't have blood vessels to it so the sole of the hoof also can be trimmed to a certain extent Um, and the heels also like need to be trimmed and people tend to be Worried about trimming the heels because there's not that nice hoof wall. The the heel is a round pad, and the caudal, palmar, or plantar aspect um, of the heel. So the farthest back point of the heel tends to be a little bit more of that horny keratin material, um, and grows outwards and tends to make a flap that points forward towards the front of the t- of the hoof if it is left and not cut regularly um, the goal for that heel and for the sole is to have a nice flat surface for the animal to bear weight on so weight is born on the hoof wall but also on the sole um, and as the hoof wall continues to grow it it grows past the sole and makes like a like a a shell around the sole which traps gook and bacteria and can get nasty like I talked about and um, just needs to be cut back flush so there's less space for stuff to get stuck in. The other thing that I notice with the heels is that caudal aspect, that furthest back aspect of the heel bulbs um, tends to grow out and make kind of a kind of like the wall kind of like a flap and that flap points forward and it almost makes I think of it like I don't know why I think of it like a ski slope but it makes like a slope and as that caudal aspect of the heel bulb grows longer the animals tend to rock back on their heels Um, it slopes out that that heel so they don't have a nice flat surface to Stand on. uh, They have this sloping surface, and that causes them to rock back on their heels. I will. I might have some pictures of this. Um, I'll have to dig through my photos. But uh, the goal for like how to trim, like what angle you're going for with the bottom of the hoof, is that the bottom of the hoof to be parallel with the coronary band is a good goal Um, that gives the animal a nice upright stance it gives them a foundation to stand on and the caudal aspect the back aspect of that heel is almost like a right angle to the ground it's almost perpendicular to the ground so there's not that sloping Uh, the problems that I see further upstream so in the uh, in the past turns in P1, P2, P3, more commonly, uh, like P2, P3 and the MCP joint. So the metacarpal phalangeal, the fetlock, uh, that joint tends to get under a lot of stress if the hoof foundation is not correct. Um, and then sometimes the carpus too. So as the animals are walking around, if their hooves are growing, if they're not being trimmed, if they're not wearing them down evenly, uh, that causes strain on the ligaments because they're not like the the medial or lateral ligaments. So ligaments are uh, tissue that hold bone to bone, and it's uh, the so ligament is bone to bone, tendon is bone to muscle. So the ligaments are what stabilize the bones to each other, and they um, if the. One side or the other is under more strain so often I'll see like a medial claw is growing more or not getting trimmed or the animal bears weight unevenly so the medial claw grows out more and then that puts more strain on the lateral collateral ligaments that hold the bones in line and eventually those collateral ligaments can break down and cause the joint to destabilize um and it's not uncommon unfortunately um so that's why we talked about all that stuff with anatomy to help you hopefully help visualize what I'm talking about when I say that again this is something that visual aids may be helpful with so I will um try to post them on instagram and get some show notes going again um what else there was something else i wanted to say about hoof maintenance yes um ways you can cut down on the number of times you need to actually physically trim your goats hooves or think about what the goats are walking on on a regular basis um the if they're out on a rocky terrain or if they have like a pile of rocks to jump on great they're probably going to be doing some of the work for you Um, I still recommend looking at them on a regular basis because just like people who walk around and bear weight unevenly on um, on their shoes and then their shoes wear funny like my feet definitely wear funny on my shoes I should take a picture and share it Uh, goats do that too and you can see the the changes in how in everybody's hooves are different um so having a pile of rocks having uh have some clients that had like concrete well covers available for their goats to jump around on goats like to stand on things even if they're not that high so if you're like oh i don't have a pile of tall rocks for them to jump on it doesn't really matter like they tend to like to stand on things that are even just like six inches high so if they if you've got a concrete round well cover that's just like six inches high they'll probably stand on it and that will help wear down their hooves um other other things Uh, if they have any kind of climbing stuff and it's made of wood or plastic then get some asphalt shingles and nail the shingles to those things so a couple things that's going to do one is going to just increase traction in general so that they're not slipping and potentially injuring themselves on slippery plastic or wood especially when it's wet or um, like we had a we had an overturned old aluminum boat in our old pasture before we moved, and uh, the goats love to jump on top of it, and I should have taken that and covered the back of it with asphalt shingles, so, like, that was probably, like, 18 to 24 inches high, and um, the even the big you know even my big fatty like 200 plus pounds Nubian does would get up on that and bounce around like a bunch of goons so if i had taken the time to probably with the aluminum boat i would have like glued and screwed uh asphalt shingles to it but then they would have had a surface a rough surface to rub their feet off you know like a nail file to file their hooves down which would be nice so, yeah, that's that, and, um, I think that kind of wraps up the anatomy portion of the hoof and distal limb ana- uh, talk, and, um, the hooves part two is going I'm gonna talk more about, like, pathology not directly related to anatomy and not directly related to, um, like hoof maintenance, like talking about how the collateral ligaments and things break down, like those are typically are not caused by like an infectious cause, can be caused by trauma, but usually I see those things in response to just like bad hoof maintenance and maybe, you know, not great conformation contributes to that, but um, a lot of uh, hooves are important so you know we gotta take care of them or our animals can't walk and walking is important the uh so yeah we'll talk about hoof rot and um laminitis and uh weird like fibromas and hoof growths and different things such as that in the next hoof hooves and hoof health part two uh let me know if you have any questions. I will try to get some photos out there for y'all and I will talk to you guys next time.